Hope Church. A warning, I actually put um, on our Facebook, you know, extra prayer for preparations for this message because 1 Samuel chapter 15 uh, is, a, is a very difficult chapter. It's a chapter that I think many times preachers would assume not preach on and just, you know, like skip over or never have to touch it. Again, it's one of the reasons we teach through books and go straight through is so that we don't get to avoid difficult things and difficult subjects and difficult passages. Um, this chapter is often used by atheists and agnostics to, as an attempt to plant doubt um, in the uh, seed of doubt in the mind of, of believers or casual Christians or those interested um, in, in our faith. And um, so that's one reason why we should look at it and seek to under, understand it so that we can be prepared for those um, sorts of things. We wrestle with the things that God tells um, Saul and the Israelites to do in this chapter um, in light of the Apostle John's defining God as God is love, 1 John uh, 4.8. So we're best to tackle these things head on. Uh, you know, we're not going to sidestep things um, this morning and hopefully... Um, even if our answers are not complete, hopefully they are, are helpful um, this morning and uh, move us in the, right, in the right direction. So let's humbly go to the Lord in prayer and ask um, for understanding um, as we read his word and, and study it this morning. So Heavenly Father, we come to you. We thank you for your love, your grace, your goodness to us this morning, God. We're thankful that the historical record is that you are a holy God, a just and loving God, that your preference is, is mercy, but that you do judge. We acknowledge that your ways are higher than our ways. We acknowledge um, our limitations and our lack of understanding. And so we humbly come before you this morning, God, and we ask for wisdom. We ask for your help, your insight. Thank you for how much you love us, and that's fully displayed at the cross as you sent your son to take our place and to pay the debts that we could not pay. We thank you, Jesus, that you willingly took our place. We're thankful that the grave could not hold you and that you are victorious. In your name, Jesus, we thank you. Amen. All right, so let's read the first two verses of 1 Samuel 15 to get us set up here. It says, Samuel also... Um, said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. So that's, a, that's just the beginning of it, just a, a quick understanding. It's put in like a like Amalek is a person, really. You know, Amalek is, you know, the the father of the of the nation, the Amalekites. Um, it's it's to punish the Amalekites for what um, they did to Israel, and so we need to go back and say, okay, what did the Amalekites do to Israel? The historical context um, is very you know important. It's not just this like 
hey, this random, you know, I want you to go and fight against this random, you know, group of people for no reason. No, it's a specific group of people for a very specific reason. Um, he says, for what they did to Israel, how he ambushed, ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. So again, it's put in the, the personal, like a, uh, you know, you had Amalek and, and Israel, but that's really representing, you know, Am, the Amalekites and the Israelites. It's using the singular to define or to understand the plural. Um, so in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 17 through 19, um, I'll just read this for you this morning, but it says, Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear when you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God. Therefore it shall be, when the Lord your God has given you rest from your enemies all around in the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess as an inheritance, that he will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, you shall not forget. So this was um, a punishment for something that had happened um, in the past. And so remember when the, the, the Hebrews were coming out of Egypt, um, they're in the, you know, basically they're in the, in the desert, uh, so in their time of, of wandering, they're in the desert, and the Amalekites attack at the rear. They're not attacking head-on like, Mono y mano, like our, you know, our warriors versus your warriors. It's they are going and plundering the stragglers, those who, you know, the, the elderly, the sick. That's who they are striking down. And so God sees this um, act of, of oppression, this act of aggression against those who were defenseless. And he basically says, I'm, I'm going to remember that. I'm not going to forget that. Um, now, there's another story that also helps us in that in this because, you know, to be fair, as we read the passages, there's nowhere that says, you know, like, unless, you know, the Amalekites repent of their wickedness and start to follow the true and living God. So it can seem to us on our initial read, like, well, there's no way out. Well, let's remember the Ninevites. In the message of judgment that was given to them, there wasn't like this call to, hey, but if you repent, you can avoid judgment. You know, it's implied, and the Ninevites repent and avoid judgment, at least for that generation. Eventually, the Ninevites are punished, but they are the ones who are punished are the ones who you know, go back again and rebel against God again. So, so in, in our context, and to understand this, it's not like the Amalekites back... Um, when the, the Hebrews were coming out of, of um, Egypt were the, were the wicked ones and the Amalekites in Saul's day are, are now the good ones. It's not like that. It's just a continuation, generation after generation of wickedness. That's the historical context and we'll, we'll see that further. I'll, I'll show you that again here in the book of Judges in just a minute. But I want to read um, Ezekiel chapter 18 verses 20 through 23 and verse 27. And you can read the whole passage at another point. But it says, The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if a wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed, keeps all my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. 
None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him. Because of the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn away from his ways and live? In verse 27, again, when a wicked man turns away from the wickedness which he committed and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive. So again, the Amalekites at this time, those who, you know, who God tells um, to go and fight against are, are wicked. You know, they have not repented. They have not relented from their wickedness generation after generation. In fact, in the book of Judges chapter 6, which again um, is right before 1 Samuel, this sets the scene for the book of Samuel is what happens in Judges. In Judges chapter 6, verses 3 through 6, it says, So it was whenever, whenever Israel had sown, like you know, they planted seed, and you know, their, their stuff is coming up, the Midianites would come up, also Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox, ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So again, year after year, generation after generation, the Amalekites have continued plundering in their wickedness and striking those that they could. So this is the troubling part that we get to uh, in verse 3. It says, Now go and attack Amalek and utter destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telium, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. So again, this is that passage, you know, that the, you know, this is one of those verses that people will use and say, you see, God is not just, he is not fair, he is, you know, hateful. How could you follow a God, you know, that would give such a command? And to be honest, um, that, you know, it's one of, this passage is one of the best arguments that atheists and, and agnostics have. You know, this is, this is one of the things that, that they would, would use. And if you were looking to formulate an argument, you was like, of course you would use this. You know, of course you would use this. But again, we have our historical context. Now, we need to be... We need to understand that this is a significant and, in many ways, a horrific command, right? I mean, we can't sidestep that. But we need to be careful not to sensationalize it or to make it more than it is. It, you know, it's like, admittedly, it's a brutal thing, but you could also exaggerate this. Um, so here's, a, here's just a couple of things to, to recognize in this. Any Amalekite who believed that they were going to be judged by God, that they had done wickedness and rightness, has a way out. They could, ex- they could escape. They could leave. They could flee. Um, you know, we're reminded about this, you know, with, with um, 
Jericho. And in the city, there's a woman who believes. We, you know, we understand your, your God is, is judging us and, and is going to be victorious over us. And, and Rahab, um, the prostitute, and her family, they are spared. They are spared from that judgment because they recognized who really was God. Um, so there are Amalekites who we could, we could, who could leave. And as we'll see, um, many did. It's gonna, like, there's a part in here, we'll get to this, but there's a part in here where it looks like it is this, you know, annihilation sort of situation, but it's not actually, and I'll explain that, um, in a minute, but there's some other things to get to, to first. It says, Saul said to the Kenites, go depart, Get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from the Amalekites. This is also really significant. So Saul sends a warning. Like, we're coming. Those of you who are Kenites, you know, we're asking you to leave, you know, at at least temporarily to get out of the way. Because our army is coming in. And what we're going to do. Now, as the Kenites grab their bags and their families and start leaving, you think the Amalekites are like unaware of that? No, they're not unaware of that. What they believe is that they're going to beat up on Israel like they have always done. That they're going to be victorious. That they don't have anything to fear. That they're going to slaughter the Hebrews again. That's what they believe. And that's why they stay. You know, if they believed that the true and living God was going to, you know, bring judgment on their city, they wouldn't have stayed there. They would have hightailed it out. They would have, they would have sent and asked for mercy. They would have sent and asked for peace. They would have done something different than what they did. They, so, again, they've had warning. They've had generations to turn from their wickedness. And now they get like this final warning. The Kenites understand and go, and the Amalekites are in their pride are like, no, we got this. We got them like we always have. Well, not like they always have. Um, but I mean, to a certain degree, at this point, the judgment on them really hasn't come. But now who are these Kenites? Um, they're an interesting people. Uh, and so this is the, when we first get introduced to the Kenites is when Moses flees from Egypt and he meets Zipporah and her family and he marries Zipporah and Jethro becomes his father-in-law and they are Kenites. That's who they are. Um, and so in Numbers chapter 24, there's another prophecy that's given it's given by Balaam, who was a, a wicked prophet, who he, he did these prophecies for, for money. But God, in, in this prophecy, he goes to give. God doesn't let him lie. He's like, I have to say what God is, is saying. I can't say something different than that. Even though he wants to, and he, he does other things and finds other ways to, to put a stumbling block before um, the Israelites. But he says this, Amalek... He's in verse 20. He looked on Amalek and he took up his oracle and said, Amalek was first among the nations, 
but shall be last until he perishes. Then he looked on the Kenites, and he took up his oracle and said, Firm is your dwelling place, and your nest is set in the rock. Nevertheless, Cain shall be burned, and how long until Asher carries you away captive? Then he took up his oracle and said, Alas, who shall live when God does this? But ships shall come from the coast of Cyprus, and they shall afflict Asher and afflict Eber, and so, sh- and so shall Amalek until he perishes. So it's like the Kenites are going to be are going to have trouble, but they're ultimately going to be, you know, okay. They would have some trouble, but they would survive it. There's another important Kenite um, in the scriptures back in Judges chapter 4 and 5 when the Canaanites um, are fighting against Israel. And we, and we talked about the wickedness of um, the, the Canaanites before about how they um, offered child sacrifice um, to their god, uh, Molech, um, and the, the wickedness that they did. And so, in judgment against them, um, God gives Deborah and Barak victory, and the Canaanite, the commander of the Canaanite army, Sisera,